Our reading today is from John, John 15, page 876 in the Church Bibles. John 15, verse 26. Page 876. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... The Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning, because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief, because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Okay, I'd love for you to keep uh, John 16 open. We'll be really working from uh, verse 5 down. Uh, that's where we'll be focusing. Um, will you join with me as we pray? Father God, we thank you for this wonderful privilege it is to be able to sit so openly and freely and read your word. Uh, we know that each of us come here at, at different stages in our lives, uh, different uh, awarenesses or uh, relationships with Jesus. Um, and so we ask that for each of us, uh, you would... Uh, Bring your word to bear upon our lives that we would understand the truth and the grace that comes from Jesus. Uh, Please be gentle and kind to each of us as you open up our eyes, as you open up our hearts to the glory of Jesus. We ask this uh, in his name. Amen. Uh, Take you back to the late 1990s. I was a youth leader in the church that I'd been converted in and we were in a wonderful season. Uh, youth minister together with us leaders uh, were just had this real joy and this delight in serving together, a great unity together. And we've seen God do amazing things. Uh, kids were getting converted and then flourishing in their faith of Jesus. It was a wonderful season. And then it came to an end. Uh, the youth minister moved on to another church, um, an, another ministry. And, and I remember sitting with uh, a bunch of youth leaders in a meeting and uh, we're trying to be positive on the outside and uh, excited for the youth minister and the opportunities before him and his family. That's what we were doing on the outside, but on the inside, uh, we were just gutted. 
And people said to us, oh, look, it's an opportunity for you leaders to, to grow, to, to step up. You, you'll be fine. But we just didn't believe them. We were gutted. Have you had an experience similar to that? You're part of a great team, uh, ministry team, mission team, work team, group of friends, and, and doing life together, serving together was just such a joy and a pleasure. And then, for whatever reason, it came to an end. And you were so disappointed, you perhaps felt gutted by it. That gives us just a, a little taste of what it was like for the disciples here in John 16. As Jesus said, I'm going away. Uh, John 16 is part of a, a longer conversation that started in John 13, goes all the way to chapter 17. And Jesus has been teaching his disciples Uh, preparing his disciples for life without him as he, uh, verse 5, goes back, returns to the one who sent him um, uh, and the one who sent him was the Father, God the Father. Jesus returning to his Father in heaven. So the disciples have followed Jesus for three years. They've seen him do things of such power and mercy, of grace and truth, heal the sick, raise the dead, teach the truth, calm the storm. For three years, they got to walk with the light of the world. For three years, they saw him driving back the darkness in this world. And now he's going. And so verse 6, they're not really interested in where he's going. They're just gripped by grief. So overwhelmed with everything that's before them. Now here's the thing. We see that and we kind of get it. We can empathise a little bit with them. We can imagine what it would have been like for them, sort of, but not really. It doesn't. It feels a bit distant from us. It doesn't feel like our thing. It doesn't feel like our challenge. It doesn't feel like our struggle. But you know, it is our thing. It is our challenge. It is our struggle. Because we read verse 7 and Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. And we just don't believe it. I mean, sure, Jesus says it, so it must be true, right? But we just don't believe it. Think about it. How many times have you found yourself thinking, if I could just go back 2,000 years and be there with Jesus, that would make the difference for me. If I could see the miracles with my own eyes, if I could hear Jesus and talk with Jesus, if I could have walked with Jesus, that would make the difference for me. Like that question that you're always struggling with. And you think, If I could just have one conversation with Jesus, surely that would clear it all up. Or or those doubts that nag away at you and you think, just just one smile from Jesus, one word from Jesus and I know that I'd be at peace. And so we find ourselves thinking, if I could just go back 2,000 years, that would make the difference. Everything would be so clear, my faith would be so real, I'd be all in for Jesus. But even as we say that, we know that's not true, don't we? I mean, the crowds had all that. They had everything that we want, but they abandoned Jesus. The disciples walked with Jesus for three years and they deserted him. So we know, don't we, that the answer to our problems, our struggles, our doubts is not to travel back 2,000 years and yet we still find ourselves thinking, yeah, but if I could just do it, then I know that would make the difference. That's our struggle. That's our challenge, isn't it? So, this morning, we need to do more than just read verse 7 and tick a box. 
We need to really wrestle with this. We need to go deep with this. Because Jesus is very clear, isn't he, in verse 7? He doesn't say, look, actually, you know, after all, it might turn out for your good. You never know. No, he says, very truly, absolutely, definitely, it is for your good that I'm going away. Why? Second half of verse 7. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The advocate, uh, Jesus tells us earlier, is, um, is the Holy Spirit. So, so why does Jesus have to go for the Holy Spirit to come? Well, it's not like they're squabbling brothers who uh, don't get on and they need separate bedrooms. No, the going away in verse 5 of Jesus is the turning point of all history. Jesus will die on the cross for our sins. On the third day, he'll rise from the dead, conquering sin and death for us. And as the risen king, he will send, he will pour out the Spirit, as he says at the end of verse 7. It is the turning point of history. God's promises fulfilled. The new age has come, the outpouring of God's Spirit upon all his people. So Jesus going away isn't him washing his hands. Because we've seen people do that, haven't we? Like in a workplace and someone gets a new job and they're moving on and there's that point just before they finish up where they kind of look at all the challenges and the problems and the politics and the games in the workplace and they just kind of go, you know what, it's not my problem anymore. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's not saying, look, I've tried to sort out this mess called humanity for 33 years and now I'm done. Let's see if the Spirit can do a better job. Now Jesus is not cutting and running. Now, he says it's for our good that he goes away. And, and when you hear good, don't think like, went to the movies last week and it was good, but not brilliant. No, no, when Jesus says it is for our good, this means that the Spirit coming is better than walking with Jesus 2,000 years ago. Wow. The Spirit coming is better than us walking with Jesus 2,000 years ago. If that's true, then having the Spirit, the work of the Spirit upon our lives, the impact of the Spirit upon our lives will be massive, life-changing. He will make the difference. So three things to grab hold of uh, this morning. They're on the outline if you're following along. First of all, He comes alongside us to bring truth. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is the advocate, which doesn't sound very exciting uh, and very engaging for our lives. And part of the issue is that the original Greek word is so rich and wonderful that our English translations find it hard to capture it neatly in just one word. And so some translations will say advocate or counsellor, which makes the Holy Spirit sound like a lawyer or a psychologist, or a marriage counsellor, which is nothing against lawyers, uh, psychologists, and marriage counsellors, but the Holy Spirit is so much more. So then some translations say comforter or helper, which is a little more personal and intimate, right? But then we could end up thinking the Holy Spirit is a warm blanket on a cold night, or that friend who gives you a hug when you're hurting. Now, the Greek word, original Greek word, means something like to come alongside to encourage and urge. Now, the reason I tell you that is not to do a word study, <laughs> um, but to help us see that the Spirit is not a, a fluffy force in the universe just floating around, but He is rich and complex. And so, therefore, His work in us is not going to be shallow and superficial, but rich and deep. He comes alongside us to transform us, to change us, to bring us truth 
and life. So if you're here last week, I, I asked you, during the week when you open the Bible, uh, when you go to communion group, when you sit here on a Sunday, what do you expect to happen? What do you hope to happen? Do you hope to just learn some more stuff about God? Or do you hope, do you expect that the Spirit will come alongside you as you read God's Word to bring truth and life to you, to change you, to transform you, to go rich and deep in your life? Is that what you hope for? Is that what you expect as you read God's Word? So what does that look like? Well, that's our second and third thing to grab hold of. Secondly, he grips hearts and opens our eyes to our need for Jesus. Have a look at verse 8. When he, the Spirit, comes... He will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, there's a lot in there, so let, let's come at it this way. When someone is exploring Jesus, uh, very often there'll be uh, questions, doubts, o- obstacles to them following Jesus. And, and very often what happens is they come on Sunday or they do Christian Explore, they read the Bible, they go to communion group. Um, some of those questions begin to get answered, the doubts get eased, some of the obstacles are removed, uh, and yet there'll still be something, another obstacle in the way from them following Jesus. And that's not because Christianity lacks proof or that they're just being stubborn, but there is a deeper spiritual issue in play. And so they need, verse 8, the Spirit to prove them wrong in regard to righteousness, sin, righteousness and judgment. Now the prove wrong there is not a kind of patronising, self-righteous, you know, ha-ha, I'm right, you're wrong, but it's to grip hearts and open eyes to our need for Jesus. So let's look at these uh, three really quickly. Um, Sin, uh, the Spirit will prove wrong in regard to sin, verse 9, because people do not believe in me. That's so helpful, isn't it? Because very often we think of sin as just a a set of laws that we've broken and we're bad people. And so we hear, repent and turn away from your sins. And we think, oh, okay, I've got to just get my life back together. I've got to be a good person. But there it says that sin is to not believe in Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says all that and people say, he's just a good man, just a teacher. That is sin. To refuse to accept Jesus for who he is, as he is. And secondly, the Holy Spirit will prove people wrong in regard to righteousness. Uh, Verse 10, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. As you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus again and again exposing people's pride and self-righteousness. That they would rather be right in their own eyes than friends with God. They'd rather be celebrated by people than welcomed by God. And as Jesus goes, the Spirit will continue that work, exposing pride and self-righteousness. And then thirdly, the Spirit will convict or prove wrong in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned, says verse 11. The prince of this world is the devil. Jesus says in John 8 that the devil is the father of lies. He lies all the time. That's his native language. And here he's the prince of this world because people believe his lies. People believe the lie that in the hills we've got heaven on earth, so why would we need Jesus? 
People believe the lie that it's okay just to admire Jesus and not follow him. People believe the lie that there's always more time. You don't need to rush into anything. They are deadly, dangerous lies to believe because the liar stands condemned. Let's bring all that together. Jesus says the Spirit will prove the world, prove people wrong in regard to sin, righteousness and judgment. The Spirit will grip hearts and open eyes to see our need for Jesus. To see, I I don't need more information. I need a saviour. I don't need to just make a few changes in my life. I need to start all over again with Jesus. To see that this world is like the Titanic heading for an iceberg and we need a rescuer. The Spirit will grip hearts and open eyes to our need for Jesus. Let me tell you about uh, two of my good mates, Angus and Dinesh. Uh, Angus and I met uh, early on in Year 7. We were friends all through high school and university. He was our best man at our wedding. Dinesh, I met at university and we clicked straight away over a kind of love for history and Led Zeppelin, which is an interesting combination, right? (laughs) And I remember at university having uh, great chats with Dinesh. Uh, He'd ask these really kind of pointy questions, really good questions, and we'd talk about how Jesus answered those and, and he'd listen and I could see things kind of falling into place for him and I thought, he's really, he's really searching. Angus, never really interested in Jesus. He seemed very comfortable with his middle class lifestyle and hopes. And... But let me ask you, which one do you think is a Christian today? Dinesh asking those brilliant questions and listening to the answers or Angus not really interested? It's Angus. We're playing touch footy at university with some guys from Beach Mission and another church. And he said, oh, how do you know these guys? And I said, oh, actually, they go to the church just around the corner from you. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's my church. I said, well, I'm not sure it's your church if you never go. But, but yeah, sure, it's nearby, right? And he goes, yeah, that's fair, fair call. And, and I said, well, but if, if you'd like to go, I'd, I'd be very happy to come along with you. He said, yeah, that'd be great. So we started going along. And after a few weeks, they announced there was a Christian Explored course. And I said, you know, if you'd like to do the course, I'd be very happy to come with you and do it with you. He said, yeah, that'd be great. So he went along and in the course, there was an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And I said, do you want to follow Jesus? And he said, yes, I'd like to. So he talked about it. We prayed and he committed his life to Jesus. Now, you know, that wasn't me. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure the conversations I had with Dinesh, I nailed some answers, like really drove it home, really clear. Angus, not much progress at all. And yet God worked the Spirit gripped his heart and opened his eyes to Jesus. That's what the Spirit does. He grips hearts and opens eyes to Jesus. It's not me, it's not you, it's not us. It's the work of God. But the Spirit doesn't leave it there. He does a rich and deep work in us. It's not just getting people to be Christians. No, he does this other thing. Uh, It's our third point. He lifts our eyes to the beauty and glory of Jesus. Have a look at verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So when he says there, the Spirit will guide you into all truth uh, in verse 13. That's not saying you'll know everything about everything. But it's 
the truth about Jesus. The truth about Jesus. The Spirit will take what is uh, what is belongs to Jesus and make it known to the world. So, what belongs to Jesus? Everything. See, sometimes we think of Jesus as a kind of hopeful politician, so desperate for your vote, a bit like this. You know, he... He wants your vote so badly, he died for you. You know, that kind of thing. And, and, and so he can sound like, oh, if you just follow me, it'll be really good and I'd really like it and, you know, I'll make your life better. And, and I'll, if you do it today, I'll throw in a free set of steak knives as well. Like, it, we, we can see Jesus is very needy. But friends, everything belongs to him. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need our approval. He doesn't need our acceptance, our support. But he calls us to follow him because he loves us. It's what we need. It's what we're made for. It's where we find our deepest joy, our greatest purpose, our most intense fulfillment. So the Spirit opens our eyes, lifts our eyes to the beauty and glory of Jesus, that we would know and enjoy Jesus forever. Now, as, as I said that, I reckon for some of you, that's kind of not new information. You've heard that before. And some of you, perhaps it feels very abstract and removed from your life. It doesn't feel very relevant. So we could miss the joy here. We could be like a ship battling a storm that accidentally sails past a safe harbour. We could be like a, a man dying of thirst in the desert who accidentally stumbles past an oasis. We could miss the joy here. So I want to land this in two ways as we finish. First of all, if you love Jesus, you are spiritual. So often I hear people wrestling with, am I spiritual? Have I received the Spirit? Am I being led by the Spirit? They're very confused about it. But look again, verse 14 and 15. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will see from me what he will make known to you. The Spirit's delight, the Spirit's joy is to point away from himself to Jesus, to bring glory to Jesus. So if you love Jesus imperfectly, we're all works in progress, then you are spiritual. Now hold there for a moment. I reckon for most of us, as I said that, something went on inside that sort of said, Oh, is that all? I was expecting something bigger, something miraculous. But think about it. For me, for you, for anyone to love Jesus is a miracle. In this broken, sinful world, with our broken, rebellious, sinful hearts, for anyone to love and serve Jesus is a miracle. So again, if you love Jesus, you are spirit-led. You are spirit-filled. You are spiritual. And again, that's where those wonderful light bulb moments come from. You know those light bulb moments when something just clicks for you? I remember um, talking to one guy, Neil, and he said, I realize that Jesus shines. And so that's what I want for my life from now on. I want Jesus to shine in my life. Wow. <laughs> A light bulb went on for him. A light bulb went on for him. It's such a joy as a pastor to see that happen and to share in that in so many of your lives. 
And, and so Pete and I will very often, as we preach on Sunday, we'll have this experience either through the welcome cards or, or someone will come up afterwards and they'll, and they'll say, you got me. <laughs> you got me. That was for me, wasn't it? How did you know? As if we have like a file on everyone. We're like, mm, okay, so this week, Julie, let's hit her on that. And Lindsay, let's, let's kind of hit it. We don't have a file on everyone, all right? Just in case you're worried. That's not me. That's not Pete. It's God's Spirit lifting your eyes to the beauty and glory of Jesus. So, friends, you know what will make the difference in your life. It's not travelling back 2,000 years to go and walk with Jesus, to see the miracles for yourself. But it's as the Spirit works in your life, does a rich and deep work to open your eyes to your need for Jesus, to lift your eyes to the beauty and glory of Jesus. That's what we need. That's what happened uh, in the life of a man named Alan Harangi, who lived in Nairobi. Um, He put an ad in the local paper that said, I, Alan Harangi, have dedicated services to the Lord Jesus Christ. I must right all my wrongs. If I or any of my businesses owe you any outstanding debts, please contact us at this address. No amount will be disputed. God and his son Jesus Christ be glorified. Wow. An ad in the paper. For one brilliant moment, all of Nairobi knew that Jesus was Lord of Alan Harangi's life. That's my prayer for us. That God will continue to pour out his spirit upon us so that men and women and children come to love and serve Jesus, marvel at his beauty and glory, and serve him with everything that we have. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you again for your word. We thank you that um, as the risen Lord, King of the universe, you have sent your spirit upon this world. You've poured it out upon your people. That you've brought us to do what we could never do ourselves, to love and trust and serve the Lord Jesus. And thank you that in our lives you are so kind and gentle to us that you keep on showing us the beauty and glory of Jesus. To keep on sustaining us and lifting us and changing us. And so we ask that you would continue to do that in our lives. That this church and all our lives, as we in our networks of family and friends and workplaces and schools, that your spirit would be at work so that we would glorify Jesus and point to his beauty and glory. We ask this in his name and for the joy of all people. Amen.